What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sober Plug Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Duffy. Hope everybody's having a tremendous day. If you need to reach me, if you're trying to get clean or have a family member, or you know somebody who is trying to get clean, you can contact my direct line. That is 203-917-8862. Again, that is 203-917-8862. Something that is on my mind today is the progression of addiction. How things change from when you started to where it ends. Um, and usually when you compare the two, uh, they're, they're obviously extremely different. And the tricky part about addiction is when you start, you don't know where it's going to end up. And you don't even really necessarily see the difference um, of your decisions or your values or your desperation in your day-to-day life, you know, because it's just so sneaky and it's so subtle. There's little things that we change through our journey that we really don't realize until we look back from where we started or where we were at months or years prior. And it's really interesting to see the before and after, if you want to call it that. Um, this is what makes addiction so hard to, to actually get help from. It's that we think we're okay along the journey. You know, when we're in the middle of using and we're doing our crazy shit or it's starting to progress and and get a little bit worse, you really don't think much of it because you think that you're in control or you think that you can handle it. Or you say, you know what, I'm just going to give it up at a different time. I'll try next week. I'll try next month after this weekend, whatever BS we come up with. And it's simply because we are masters at manipulating and justifying our own behavior. That is the only way that our addiction can get to a place of such extreme um and so severe that the only way it can get to that point is if we're constantly bullshitting ourselves and manipulating our own thoughts and thinking that it's normal and thinking that it's okay. And the progression, it's not just simply the amount that we use or how often we use or what we use. The progression, the worst part of the progression of addiction is actually our mentality and how far we bend to continue doing what we do and thinking that it's okay. That is the that is the most obvious and blatant uh, progression. But at the same time, when you're in it, when you're in the middle of your addiction and in the middle of the craziness, you just find a way to, to make it all right to yourself, you know, and it's, uh, it's very cunning and baffling. There's a saying in AA and it's, um, cunning, baffling and powerful. That's addiction. And it's just so true. It's just, it, it was stronger than me until I realized, man, I, I gotta give this shit up. I got so much going on so much disaster in my life that I cannot justify this behavior anymore. I I have to, I have to change or else I'm going to die because I'm miserable right now. 
you know, that was basically where I was uh, when I was at the end of my rope, you know, and I, it just got so bad where I was like, shit, man, I can't justify this behavior anymore. It's, uh, it's causing too much damage, not just to me, but to other people. And I need to try something different. You know, nobody comes flying into sobriety on the wings of glory. You know what I'm saying? Nobody, nobody says, you know what, man, I'm having such a great time getting high and drinking. And things are going so good in my life while I'm using. But you know what? I think I'm going to give it up anyway. I think I, I think I see some warning signs here. And I think I'm going to, even though I'm having a great time, I'm having a blast with my friends and um, life is going really good. I think I'm going to make this adjustment anyway. No way. It doesn't happen. Everybody, everybody comes into sobriety with their, with their tail between their legs. And that's okay. You know? Uh, because that's how it progresses. And that's, and that's, um, when you have an addiction or alcoholism, you don't have the foresight of seeing what's coming. You have to go through it. And now it just depends on when we stop is how much our pain tolerance is, how, how big of a pain, um, what's your threshold for pain like emotional pain, physical pain. I'm going through withdrawals, uh, financial pain. All of that, these are the things that determine when we get sober or if we're lucky enough to make it, of course. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to talk about a little bit of how how mine progressed. And, you know, I uh, I always had a really addictive personality. This is no shock to anybody who knows me personally. I mean, when I like something, when I enjoy something, man, do I jump in and I really want to do it all the time whether it's whether it's chocolate or whether it's gambling or whether it's drinking and drugs or it's sports or whatever the case is you know what i'm saying i i just uh i always i wanted to live in it and um when i first started getting high um i liked it immediately and i and i've shared this before but i i started very young um i was nine and, you know, I remember thinking to myself, I, I really, I enjoy this. And I, and you know what I, I even, I said, I'm going to enjoy having to, I like having to hide this and feeling like I got to get away with something, feeling like that there's something that I have to, almost like it was a game, you know, like it was a game for, to see how far I could go and not get caught. And I was constantly living on the edge of, of that line of like, man, how far can I, how, how far can I go doing this thing that I know is bad? I know is negative, but can I get away with it? And how long can I do that? You know, so right off the bat, that was one of my first initial thoughts when I smoked weed for the first time. And I, and I had shown this behavior uh, when I was very young as well, even before that, I remember I used to steal uh, shit from the store that I definitely didn't need. I mean, what little kid needs, needs, um, there was a time where I stole, I went to Kohl's with my mom and my, uh, and my brothers. And I remember right before the checkout there, they used to have these gift cards, um, you know, for the store that you can literally get at any, any store pretty much that has their own uh, store 
uh, um, gift cards that you can basically purchase. And it's like a debit card for the store type of deal, you know. And I remember seeing the dollar signs on all these gift cards that obviously didn't have any money on them, but I had no clue because I was just so young and, and stupid. You know? So I so I took a handful of these like $50, $100 gift cards, and I thought that there was all this money on them. And, and, I, and I swiped a whole bunch of them, and, and my mom found them, you know, either a few days later or a week later, and she was like, what is this? You know, what is this about? And... Um, and, you know, I, I just remember thinking like, oh, well, I can, you know, I can take this money for the, for the store credit and, uh, you know, I could take this gift money card or whatever, whatever the case may be. And, and having that game of like stealing something, having to get away with it. And, uh, and it's just crazy because there was obviously no need for it. But I remember when I when I did stuff like that, it would get me outside of myself. Like I would get excited about having to having to hide something or or doing something that I knew I shouldn't have been doing, but not getting caught. It was a big game to me, and it gave me this little rush as a little kid. And this is what I mean by you know addictive behavior. This is the type of shit that lands us in trouble. And a lot of people, they don't know how to kind of sit with themselves um, in addiction. This is the reason why we continue using for so long, because we actually don't love ourselves for who we are. So when I started using getting high, it was a, it was not only did I enjoy the high, but it was something that I, it was a game for me. And, um, and obviously in the beginning, I couldn't get high every day because I was just so young, but by the time I was 11, 12 years old, I was, I was getting high pretty much every chance I could, if it wasn't every day. Um, it, you know, it was definitely multiple times a week getting around kids that were doing the same thing. Um, hanging out with kids that I was just genuinely close with a little bit less if they weren't into that behavior, you know, so that progressed. I started moving into crowds that, um, I mean, listen, I was always friends with the troublemakers anyway. I was one. So that that really wasn't too much of a change. But the amount of time I was spending with kids that were getting high, that definitely increased. And um, what also changed for me is the amount of risk I was taking. You know, by the time I was in middle school, I was already I was already well on my way to to stealing money for it. Um, you know, going around the neighborhood or going around parts of town, uh, stealing, uh, money from cars or items from cars or, or, um, robbing people. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things I definitely am not proud about. Um, but this started at such a young age, you know, and what I found is as the desperation increases your morals decrease the more desperate you get the lower your tolerance for continuing to be a good person is you know you you just you need to feed the beast that's basically what it comes down to and when people aren't comfortable with who they are and they know that there is an easy button to press to get outside of yourself you're going to do it you're going to do whatever you can to, to make up for um, 
avoiding that feeling, you know? So, uh, so as I was getting high in, in middle school, uh, the trouble really started to ramp up quite a bit. I mean, I mean, shit in the sixth grade, I got expelled. I got, I got expelled in the sixth grade for, for smoking weed on school grounds. So it really didn't take too long. Right. I mean, what are you, what are you 12 years old in the sixth grade? Yeah. You got Yeah. I think I was 12 years old or I don't know, something, somewhere around that. And so, uh, I got expelled very early on. And, um, by, by the time I was done with eighth grade, I mean, my, my portfolio or my rap sheet, whatever the hell you want to call it. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Um, the high school was well aware of who I was before I even got there. And, uh, and the same thing basically happened in high school again, you know, I got expelled for, um, I got caught with a bunch of weed and I was selling it in school and, um, I got caught with a bunch of weed, uh, on a Friday, like literally, I think it was like 30 minutes before the day let out and I was devastated, but so much was going on, uh, prior to that. I mean, again, earlier in that school year, I got caught stealing, um, was constantly in the principal's office. Um, I just, uh, you know, I was a lost kid, you know what I mean? And I wasn't, a, I wasn't like a, I, I grew up in a good household. You know what I mean? Like my mom taught me well. My mom was always there for me. She was always trying to get me help, always trying to guide me down the right path. But I was just fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like um, there was just a lot of stuff that I needed to to work on and um, I just wasn't willing to do it. I was always looking for the for the easy route. And the drugs is what really brought that out. I was like, man, this is it. You know, it felt like, you know what it felt like? It felt like I was searching for something my entire life. And once I found it, I was like, whoa, this is the thing I've been looking for. And I didn't even know I was searching for something. You know, I have been searching for something, but I didn't know it. And shit, man, I have found it. And that's what it gave me. But the problem is, is once you start, you don't know what the yin and the yang is to that. You don't know what the opposite effect of, the, of that behavior and that desperation is. And you really don't know how bad it's going to progress. People can warn you about it until you're blue in the face uh, in schools and, uh, or your parents or whatever. But from, for 99% of the people out there, you really you don't know until you go through it yourself. And, you know, I, um, as I started experimenting with, with more drugs, as I was around uh, 15, 16, as I really started to expand my, um, horizons a little bit, you know, weed just wasn't enough. It got to the point where I was obviously getting high every single day. And, um, you know, I just got to a place where I'm like, I need something a little different, you know? Um, this isn't, this isn't enough for me. It's not getting me high enough. Um, it's not exciting anymore. I just kind of need a little something different, you know? Hell, what's what the famous words, right? I'm just going to try it. Nothing wrong with trying something. Yeah, so you think uh, until, uh, until you get hooked on that thing and, and then that's it and you're off to the races. I remember before I ever see, this is the, this is the funny part before I even get into that. I actually did. Um, the really interesting thing is that 
I really didn't start experimenting with pills right away. Ironically enough, I did heroin before I tried any other drug, which sounds insane, but it's, but it's just my truth. It's what happened. And it was kind of by accident. I remember I was starting to get a little, um, I was a little tired of, of weed. Like I was just used to it and I was willing to try other things. And I was expelled my freshman year and I was with somebody um, I, I haven't really gotten into the pills yet. And I was with somebody that was very, very messed up on drugs. And I didn't know exactly what it was yet. And this person dropped a bag of heroin on the ground. And I saw it and I picked it up and I did it. And that was my introduction to drugs, to like new stuff. And I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know it was heroin. I found out later what it was. And, um, and you know, that rocked me. Like my experience with that was at first, uh, it really scared me because I thought I was going to die and I didn't have the courage to tell my mother, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say, Hey ma, I just did, I just did this bag and, uh, and I don't know what it is. I think I'm going to die. So I actually ended up, um, basically nodding off and, and, and luckily enough for me, I didn't, I didn't die. I, I was basically unconscious for, I think a few hours. Um, I'll get into that story at another time, but I remember after I knew I was going to be okay, a few hours later in the night, uh, I remember thinking, wow, you know, that, that was amazing. I don't know what that was, but it really took it took me to a whole nother world. And, by that time, when I was 15, if you were to tell me that when I was 10 or 11 or 12, that at 15, I was going to, I was going to do heroin and actually enjoy it. I would have told you you were out of your mind. But the idea here is as you, as you use these substances more frequently, it doesn't hold the same juice that it once did. It doesn't hold the same excitement. You get used to it. And so you're willing with that comes more risk to get away, to get the feeling that you're chasing something new. Because when you do something new, it's exciting. And the more you do it, the less exciting it becomes. So when I started to really dive into the pills, I knew that it was going to be a problem someday, but I really didn't care enough because I, I just needed something different. And um, once I got into the pills, man, I mean, that was it. Uh, that just pretty much opened up the floodgates for me. Because I was basically experimenting with all all things and everything, and um, as you start to try new things, of course, um, the more it takes you outside of yourself, the more desperate you become for it. At least that was the case for me. I remember the first time I I tried oxys. Um, now, again, I, I knew what heroin was like, so that kind of reminded me of what it was. Obviously, they're pretty much the same thing, except one's in pill form and one is regulated. And uh, that was it. I was off to the races, man. Um, I, I was doing Oxy-80s and, um, I, you know, I was selling at this point and all my money went to that. All my time and energy went into getting that because it became the most important thing in my life. 
and everything else, man, just kind of fell at the wayside. It's crazy when you look back and you see your behavior and the things that you used to do and the way that I used to act. Um, and, you know, it was very easy for me to justify what I was doing because I always felt like I was a good kid. I always felt like I was a good person. But my actions, I was just, I was judging myself on my intent while the world was judging me on my actions and behavior. My actions and behavior was not matching who, who I, who I was supposed to be and who I grew up being, you know, even though I was a troubled kid, I mean, my mom really, really did the right thing by raising me, like I mentioned earlier. And, um, but my behavior was not matching that, you know, so I really started to shift, um, into a person that was pretty much just a, uh, a, a scumbag, you know what I mean? Like doing anything I could, man, to get it. And I think a lot of people I was close with, they, they, there were some people that I was close with that didn't get high. You know, like some of my true friends and, um, and I kind of shielded them from that. Some people didn't know that side of me. And, um, I did that on purpose because I, obviously I knew the path I was going down and I didn't want to be judged for, for my actions. So I did a lot of dirt in secrecy. Um, and, uh, but, it, but as much as my addiction was progressing, uh, became harder and harder to kind of put up that persona, you know? I mean, listen, by the time, you know, by the time I was 18, I was doing pretty much everything. Um, ecstasy, uh, cocaine, oxys, Xanax, uh, you name, it, you know, um, drinking at parties, smoking every day still. And, and then eventually, you know, the heroin came. And um, I went to rehab when I was 18. Basically, I was, I was, my, my family didn't even think I was going to make it. My family didn't even think I was going to make it through my senior year, the way I was going. Um, it was, it was not looking good. You know, I was a full blown addict and I knew that I was, but I just wasn't willing to give it up because I thought it was my only answer. I thought it was the only solution to my problems. I didn't think it was the problem. I thought it was the solution to all my problems. But I was definitely mistaken because I was blinded by the instant gratification that it gave me. I wasn't willing to look at the repercussions that came afterwards. Like I wasn't connecting the trouble that I was getting in directly to my drug use, even though it was definitely a direct result of my using. I just didn't give a shit enough. I wasn't getting ready to, to I, I didn't want to give that up. But I also wasn't looking at it for the truth for what it was. You know, so um, by the time I was 18, I went off to rehab my senior year. And um, basically, my, my, my school, I mean, the principal's office was like, it was one of the happiest they've ever been with me. They, they couldn't wait when I told my, my assistant principal that I was going. She was ecstatic. She was like, good. She's like, I'm really happy that you're going because it's what you need. 
you know? And uh, because earlier in that, in that year, I picked up, I picked up my first DUI uh, within the first uh, few months of, of, uh, of driving and getting my, my license. And then, and then I got another one three months after that. So, you know, I was a mess and the, the, the progression of my legal troubles was definitely huge as well. I mean, um, I had everything from possession charges to DUIs to, uh, I mean, and there was a lot of shit I got away with too that the, the cops didn't charge me for, you know? Um, so I was kind of fortunate with a lot of things as well that I didn't have on my rap sheet. And then eventually I had a robbery charge when I was 19. That uh, that was really one of my lowest points, man. I, I was so desperate enough to go into a, a gas station and rob them for the money that they had because I knew that they obviously had cash in the register. And, uh, and when you take Xanax, man, um, you don't give a shit what the possible repercussions are. When something comes into your mind, you just act on it. That's the problem with Xanax. There's no anxiety. There is no worries to, to what you're about to do. So if you have a corrupt mind, you're going to, you're going to do some crazy shit. And that is exactly what happened, you know, and just everything, the progression of my addiction just got to a place where it put me in a corner of like, man, I could not ignore it anymore. My ambitions were, were non-existent. All the people I hung out with either wanted just wanted to use me for, for my drugs or money or, um, or didn't want to be around me at all. The relationships in my life were shot. Um, I was not going down a good path. I didn't have any, any skill sets, right? I mean, I barely worked. Uh, I didn't even really have a job because I was always selling drugs. So, um, I had nothing. And the worst part was, inside i felt like like a rotten apple you know what i'm saying like i was just like decaying and my physical presence was was just was just as bad you know every part of my life was progressing in the wrong direction and it was kind of that final stamp of uh when i got arrested for that robbery that i really had to, to had to uh, take a look at that as I was preparing to spend the next like six years in prison, that's what I thought I was going to have. And that really scared the shit out of me because that was a big wake up call of, uh, now look what you did. You know, look where your life is heading now, bro. You always, uh, I remember thinking to myself, man, you always figure it out, but you ain't figuring this one out. You're, you're going to have to pay it. You're gonna have to pay the price for this one. And you know what? I deserved it. I remember my first night in jail. I started to pray and I was not a big prayer. And, um, and I stopped myself in the middle of praying because I started to pray saying, um, I was starting to pray and say, Hey, you know, can you get me out of this one? They call it the foxhole prayer. When you're in deep shit, you basically start to play. It's interesting when people get in deep shit, they get real spiritual, you know? And that was the case for me. Uh, I remember thinking to myself, Man, you know, God, if you get me out of this one, I'll uh, I'll be good, I swear. And I remember I stopped in the middle of my prayer because I knew I was so full of shit. I was like, you know what? How many times have I said this prayer when I when I get in trouble? Can you just get me out of this one? You know, 
And then a week later, you get out of it, and then you don't change. It's like the boy who cried wolf, you know? And I said, fuck it, man. I'm not, I'm just going to have to pay. I'm just going to have to pay up. It's about time. And uh, so here I was, I was 19 years old, and, and uh, basically my life decisions and my behaviors had really caught up to me. And the reason why I was where I was at in that moment was because of my choices. And because of my lack of, of wanting to get real with myself. And the truth of the matter is that the drugs were never on my side. They were never actually a, a positive solution. They were my, they really led me into unfortunate and impossible situations of getting good results. But it's gift wrapped in relief. Relief of pain, relief of anxiety, relief of social uh, pressure and situations, whatever the case may be for relief of pain. Some people, obviously, they get put on pain meds and it, the, the drugs are always a relief. People who develop problems, it's a relief of something. But it's camouflaged because it's temporary relief and you got to pay the price later at some point. It's how it works. You know, so it's why it takes for a lot of people rock bottom. Now everybody's bottom is different, but mine was pretty drastic. You know, because it didn't even it didn't even end there. After going through rehabs and getting out of jail, I got high again after after several months of, of being clean. I went through rehab, I went through a sober house. And I got resentful and I started doing my own thing again, started hanging out with the old crowd again, getting the same fucking results, man. Went right back to the old behaviors and what did I get? Old results. Go figure. It's like, yeah, of course I did. <laughs> what did I expect? Why would I expect to get a different result when I'm doing the same old shit? It's wishful thinking at best and, uh, and foolish thinking, ignorant thinking at worst. You know, so um, what ended up happening? Well, I ended up going back to heroin, of course. I was I was living in the hood, uh, paying for $400 a month of rent, you know, for a room I was renting in a, in a not good area. Uh, didn't have a car, so I would wake up in the morning, take the bus to work. And, uh, and basically, um, my life was all about getting money getting high, rinse, repeat, not taking care of myself. I barely ate. Um, I mean, I certainly wasn't doing any grocery shopping. I was not taking care of myself. I looked like a, a little uh, mal, uh, malnourished boy. I mean, I was 19, uh, 20 years old at this time, and uh, I had no idea who I was. I was just lost, man, lost in the sauce. And um, no part of my life was attractive. And I did not know what direction to go in. And, uh, and the ultimate, obviously, the ultimate progression was I, uh, I used uh, heroin with a needle uh, for the first time. And on that walk home, after I did that, I mean, that was the, I realized how far I had really gone. And um, 
I knew that there was not much that I could do to turn this around if I didn't stop right then and there. Because once you go to the needle, I mean, usually uh, that brings you down a whole nother path of desperation. And I, and I knew that. I knew that very, very clearly. Um, so I was walking home on this rainy, gloomy day. And uh, after after shooting after shooting heroin for the first time with ironically a kid that I went to rehab with, and obviously he wasn't doing too well either. So um, when I was walking home, I just threw my hands up and I said, "You know what, man? I better try something else because if this continues, any if if this if I go one more day of going down this path, I'm done. You know, I'm gonna end up dying. I won't even see." I won't even see 25. If I'm lucky, I would even get there. And so where I was towards the end of being this kid on the verge of homelessness, um, shooting heroin and not knowing who I was and what I wanted to do with my life um, and being, and having that emptiness, you know, like feeling like there is absolutely nothing going well in my life and and uh you're spiritually bankrupt that's what i was i was absolutely spiritually bankrupt physically bankrupt financially bankrupt i mean every area of my life was was a pile of dog shit and it was exactly what i needed to to actually want a different life for myself it needed to get bad. It needed to get really bad. And that pain, the, the pain that I was in, which I thought was, was my biggest liability, I wouldn't know it, but it would actually become one of my biggest assets later in my life. Remembering that, remembering how much I had progressed has stopped me so many times from going back. In my in my first two years, there were there were some times there were some big struggles for me, and uh, and I didn't want to go back to that place. And if it weren't for those dark times and how much my addiction progressed, uh, I don't think I would have stayed sober. You know, it became my biggest asset, the amount of stuff I had gone through and and survived. Now, when you're in it, you definitely don't think of it like that. But addiction, man, it is so progressive. It is unbelievable how much we can actually go through and tolerate an addiction and think that this is normal and okay. It's like, nah, this ain't normal, man. Your life is fucked up. When I'm craving something around the clock all day, every day, and I'm willing to ruin relationships or I'm willing to go to jail or I'm willing to lose a job or I'm willing to get arrested or I'm willing to, to not have any money because of this thing. That means I'm fucked up. You know, it progresses. It might not look like that in the beginning, but for a lot of us, it looks like that in the end. So listen, um, that's pretty much all I got today. If you uh, or a loved one need my help, again, you can reach out to me anytime. 
My number is 203-917-8862. Again, that is 203-917-8862. I hope everybody has a great day, and I will see you guys on the next one.